From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. On the show today, we hear about Literary New Orleans, a new TV documentary featuring interviews with some of the state's best writers past and present. Plus, with Thanksgiving just days away, we learn where Louisianans can get a free meal, pick up free dinner supplies, or volunteer on the holiday. But first, the results from Louisiana's general election are in, and here to tell us about some of the wins, losses, and what happens next is our politics reporter, Molly Ryan. Molly, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, the three Republican candidates for executive offices swept the ticket. Tell us about these newly elected officials and what we know about their previous experience and their existing relationship with governor-elect Jeff Landry. Well, that's right. Uh, Republicans did sweep all of the statewide offices. Liz Morrill won the race for attorney general with about 66 percent of the vote. She'll be Louisiana's first female attorney general ever. And she is someone who is expected to work closely with Governor-elect Jeff Landry, uh, who she's already had a close working relationship with for several years as the state's solicitor general, a role in the attorney general's office that Landry appointed her to in 2016. Murrell and Landry hold a lot of the same conservative views, like opposing abortion rights, and they both expressed a need to crack down on crime across the state, especially in the state's metro areas. So that's something the two will probably look to tackle over the next four years. Even though the attorney general's office doesn't really have much direct influence over crime, uh, Murrell has said that she'll use the office to support district attorneys and the Louisiana Bureau of Investigation and crack down on crime in that way. In the race for state treasurer, Republican John Fleming beat Democratic challenger Dustin Granger also handily with about 65% of the vote. Fleming is a former U.S. representative for Louisiana's 4th Congressional District. He also served in the Trump administration uh, in several roles, including as the Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Economic Development. Fleming also started a series of companies in Louisiana, which he said has prepared him for the job of state treasurer and managing the state's money, which is what he will do in that job. Uh, One of the biggest differences between Fleming and his Democratic challenger is how they said they would invest the state's money. Fleming told Louisiana Considered that he wasn't outright opposed to investing in companies with ESG policies, and that stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. But Fleming has publicly expressed concerns about investing in companies with such policies. He has said that the state should just be investing its money wisely and where it gets the best return on investment, sort of suggesting that investing in ESG companies could be a purely political move. And then the last statewide race on the ballot this past weekend was for Secretary of State. Republican Nancy Landry, like the other Republicans, easily won with about 67 percent of the vote. This position, though, I'd say is probably not as partisan as some of the other statewide positions. Uh, The primary role of the Secretary of State is to ensure that elections here are fair and that they run smoothly. Uh, Louisiana already ranks high nationally in terms of election integrity. But one thing Landry will be tasked with is implementing a new voting system in Louisiana because the state legislature a few years back passed a bill that bans the use of the current voting machines and requires a new system that has a paper trail. Uh, Landry said she prefers a system that combines digital technology with a paper trail. So that's probably what we can expect out of our next voting system. And what do we know about voter turnout? How does it compare to turnout during the primary elections in October? Well, voter turnout was once again really low. Um, In the primary election in October, turnout was just about 36 percent. 
and that was considered dismal. But turnout in this election was even lower at about 22%. Partly that's because the governor's race was already decided in the October primary election. But still, it's just a really bleak turnout. And it was even worse in New Orleans, where only 15% of residents made it to the polls. And that contributed to a resounding defeat for Democrats. Now, that's not to say that Democrats would have won any of these races if turnout was higher. The Republicans in each of those statewide races that we just talked about were considered the favorites, but maybe the races would have been slightly closer. Well, finally, one election result that was a bit of a surprise was the Lafayette mayor-president race. Tell us about that. Yeah, this was a pretty tight race uh, between the Republican incumbent, Josh Guillory, and a Republican challenger, Monique Blanco-Boulay, who is the daughter of late Louisiana Governor Kathleen Blanco. Boulay was able to beat Guillory with about 52% of the vote. Um, That's after receiving fewer votes than Guillory in the primary election. There's several reasons. Part is, like I mentioned, that she is the daughter of Kathleen Blanco. That probably helped with name recognition and in that area, specifically in Lafayette. Uh, the Times-Picayune advocate also reported that Guillory's tenure as mayor president had been marked by controversy surrounding multi-million dollar drainage projects. So that could have also helped Boulay grab the seat from an incumbent. Molly Ryan covers politics for WRKF and WWNO. Molly, thanks for being here. Anytime. New Orleans has served as not only the setting for many literary classics like A Streetcar Named Desire and A Confederacy of Dunces, but it's also long been home to many writers and thinkers who draw inspiration from the Crescent City. Now, a WYES documentary will explore the history of New Orleans as a literary mecca spanning over 300 years. The film... Literary New Orleans is hosted by WYES senior producer and host Peggy Scott Laborde. It features archival interviews with authors past as well as fresh conversations with some of the city's modern writers like Walter Isaacson, Maurice Carlos Ruffin, and Dr. Mona Lisa Saloy. For information on this documentary, we're joined by host Peggy Scott Laborde. Peggy, thanks for being here. Hey there, glad to be with you. And we're also joined by outgoing Louisiana Poet Laureate, Dr. Mona Lisa Saloy. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. It's an honor and a delight to be here. Peggy, I'll start with you. How did this film come together? Why did you decide to tell the stories of famous literary works from New Orleans? And how were you able to compile all of that information into one hour-long film? Well, um, it was hard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll say that. It was a bit of a challenge. But, you know, sometimes in your life, sometimes things seem to be meant to be, at least occasionally in my life that happens. And over the years, I've been very interested in this subject. Um, I am extremely involved with the Tennessee Williams and New Orleans Literary Festival and was there at the beginning with uh, my husband, Errol, and, and other folks who really wanted to spotlight the rich literary history that we have. So um, being interested just generally in in literary matters over the years, I've compiled my own favorite, you know, books and and resource material. Um, I do documentaries. I'm interested in local history, that's for sure. So to really focus this time on the city as this literary mecca is really a joy and um, something I feel honored to be able to do. And so much material. I mean, there, there's it's such a rich, rich history and so many works that come from that city are based in that city. How do you cram all that into an hour? How did you decide which to include? I tried to think about, you know, what the most amount of people 
would be interested in. But also I went for the more obscure, the lesser known too, because they, they deserve their due. So I tried to mix it up. We are so blessed to have interviews with Tennessee Williams, Anne Rice, Delma Toole, John Kennedy Toole's mom. So I, I tried to focus on folks that you are familiar with, but then some surprises too. I know this film features rare archival interviews with some of the city's most famous literary figures. Tell us about that. Uh, well, my goodness, we definitely talk about, you know, the 1800s, George Washington Cable, Lafcadio Hearn, Armand Lanouse, um, because, of course, he was the heart of Lisanel, which Mona Lisa is, is more the expert on than I am. Um, but, you know, the, the 19th century was so rich uh, in terms of material, I mean, especially Lafcadio Hearn, he's sort of near and dear to my heart, but, uh, but all of them are. And Victor Sejour was also part of the Les Sennel group, which was a group of literary, uh, really giants in their day who didn't get enough credit. And Mona Lisa, would you speak more to that? I really, because I know this is very much your bailiwick. Well, it's one of my loves. Les Sennea is, it's a groundbreaking collection of original French poems published by a group of Jean de Couleur Libre of free people of color in 19th century Louisiana, edited by Armand Lanus. Now, I have to give kudos to Clint Bruce, who is the expert. It's one of my loves, but he really has done a lot of research on that. And it's important because it's, it's the first African-American anthology of Black literature. I mean, it's, it's, it's groundbreaking. And it brought together works by 17 different writers. This is extraordinary. It had not happened before. And it just fed the intellectual fervor, the literary fervor of New Orleans, Louisiana, of the country, really. And even Henry Louis Gates says it's the first attempt to define a Black canon in this country. Such a reach of history, so far back to, to the present. Dr. Soloy, can you tell us about your literary journey? How has New Orleans and its culture played a role in your journey? When I began, and I wrote to remember after a car accident took my memory, I found Black voices, the greats, the Gwendolyn Brooks, the Alice Walker, the Margaret Walkers, the Sonia Sanchez. So I've always been talking back to them because while they showed, like Nikki Giovanni, Black love is Black wealth, I didn't hear our voices in New Orleans, particularly the Seventh Ward, but all over the city, we have a certain way of saying things, whether it's what we inherited from the Irish or the German or the French or the Spanish. We are such a conglomerate of cultures, including African. So I've been adding our voices to that. And my legend says I write for those who can't or won't tell their Black Creole stories. So I want our voices there. I want people, generations hence, to know who we were and how well we lived. Even with very little, we made a lot of joy. What has this meant, being as you, you use these voices in your, in your writing, um, to have been selected as Louisiana's Poet Laureate to continue to, to um, introduce people to such a rich history? It's been a tremendous honor. And a poet laureate, it's something they say is eminent. 
somebody who's famous and respected within a certain spirit. I never thought of myself that way. I write because I have to, because I need to, because I do. And most writers were nerds, we're book people, <laughs> and we love to read and write. But again, it's the passion for documenting our culture. And I'm a folklorist, so culture, traditions, that's where our humanity is. Every culture has tra traditions. And ours are so particularly beautiful and endearing. So I've been trying to capture that in the best way I can. Uh, I know the documentary also discusses the 19th century vibrant literary circle based in the French Quarter. Tell us about the Roaring Twenties literary scene. Well, you know, um, Sherwood Anderson was enjoying um, the fame from a book called Winesburg, Ohio, and he and his wife, we're from Ohio. Uh, he and his wife uh, moved to New Orleans and they rent an apartment in the Pentaba Apartments. So he beckons writers to come. The rent is cheap in New Orleans. It's fairly easy to live. It is beautiful. It's, of course, as we know. And so who's coming along? William Faulkner, very early in his career, at that point, primarily a poet. Uh, Robert Penn Warren. Uh, and then Lyle Saxon, Thomas Wolfe. Um, there's even a publication called The Double Dealer and that is publishing their works, their early works. It's a very, very exciting time, but a lot of it had to do with how beautiful the city was, the weather, you know, nobody likes the, the, the uh, you know, the snow. <laughs> so let's go for the banana leaves uh, and get together and be of like minds. Uh, well, the writers from a, a century ago weren't the only ones collaborating. Dr. Saloy, can you describe the literary collaboration scene today? Uh, how do writers in the city work together with each other, support each other, draw inspiration for each, from each other? Oh, many ways, especially the literary festivals. The longstanding Tennessee Williams, love that. It is the coup de grace. And of course, we have the New Orleans Poetry Festival. There's one book, one New Orleans that celebrates literature. Gina Ferrara hosts the Poetry Buffet. Before her, Lee Gru did a kind of buffet for people. There's, I mean, numerous readings and series. We have the Tom Dent Literary Showcase at Dillard. There's always a showcase at UNO and Tulane. And now that we're post-COVID, more hopefully cafes will return to that. There used to be numerous cafes that offered regular readings. And now that we are finally out of lockdown, we can look forward to even more. Well, before we go, can you both tell us what you hope viewers can learn and take away from this film? Any parts of the film where you really learn something you hope viewers can learn too? Starting with you, Peggy. Well, um, first of all, it, it, the, the very um, strong intent of the show was not to be snooty. I think that there are people out there who think, oh, writers and literature and all that. And I, we really, of course, aim to be very accessible and uh, and um, that folks will take away quite a few things. I guess among my favorites would be um, an interview with Anne Rice, which took place at a Tennessee Williams Festival in 1989, where she talks about how she wrote an interview with a vampire. <laughs> mm. So that right there is worth the price of admission, right? But then Tennessee Williams talking about writing Streetcar and how it was originally called The Poker Night. But um, the list is long of some of my favorite things, but I guess those are the top two. And then you, Dr. Saloy, uh, anything that you learned that you didn't know in, in working with this documentary? And what would you like people that view it to come away having learned? 
I hope that people get a sense that not only is there a history of many writers here, but that there's community of writers and it's multicultural, it's multilingual, and some people are street poets, some people are educators, some people are spoken word, some people go from the page to the stage and they make it work. So we have quite a mix of excellence in literature here. And Dr. Saloy, you are Louisiana's outgoing poet laureate. So what are you working on these days? Any Anything to look forward from our, our past uh, poet laureate? Thank you for saying that. I am determined to complete the work on Bob Kaufman, who is born and raised in the Seventh Ward, coined the word beatnik, took Ginsburg and Kerouac into the Negro streets at dawn. He is revered the world over. People from all over the world read my dissertation on him every week. So I have to expand that, polish that, and give him that honor of a dedicated volume just to him. So that's next. And a collection of essays on folklore, material that I've collected for decades, decades from sidewalk songs, jump rope rhymes, clap hand games, terms of endearment, the Houdat controversy, mm. and others. <laughs> Peggy Scott Laborde, senior producer and host for WYES, and Dr. Mona Lisa Saloy, outgoing Port Laureate of Louisiana. Thank you both for being here today. Thank, Thank you. It's been you a pleasure. For having it's my pleasure. Literary New Orleans premieres on Thursday, November 30th at 7 p.m. on WYES-TV. It's available to stream on wyes.org slash live and on WYES and PBS apps. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. Thanksgiving is just around the corner, and many are gearing up to reunite with family and friends and for an annual meal. But not everyone has the resources to put on these feasts or necessarily a place to go. Thankfully, there are plenty of opportunities to get a Thanksgiving meal and enjoy an evening of community throughout the state, including the 49th Annual Sheriff's Thanksgiving Day Celebration in New Orleans. Our managing producer, Alana Schreiber, spoke with Orleans Parish Sheriff Susan Hudson about the Thanksgiving celebration, as well as other opportunities to get a free meal or volunteer throughout the state. Can you start by telling us about this year's event? Where is it? When is it? And what does it entail? Well, thank you so much. Um, as you mentioned, this is the 49th Annual Sheriff Thanksgiving Celebration, and this year it will be uh, back on Thanksgiving Day from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., uh, at the New Orleans Morial Convention Center, and it's in Hall G, Hall G. So uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, we'll be right there at the convention center uh, with a lot of meals for people uh, in need. And I know there are tons of musicians lining up for some live musical performances. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, every year we have, uh, we are graced with the presence of the queen, the queen of gospel, Irma Thomas. She will be back uh, with her amazing voice. She is just an amazing person. I always do want to call her queen when I see her. Um, we'll have Grammy Award-winning artist Leo Nocentelli. Uh, as you know, he's a big, big community guy, helping in the community, but then also sharing uh, beautiful music as well. We have vocalist and trumpeter James Andrews. Uh, when you talk about talent, you're talking about Mr. Andrews and 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 what he can do with the trumpet. So. Uh, and that's a New Orleans tradition, right? Great trumpeters. We're looking forward to that. 
Uh, we have violinist Michael Ward. So uh, secretly, I've always wanted to learn how to play the violin. Never, never could do it, but well, I'm looking forward <laughs> to this one as well. And then last but not least, uh, it's the OPSO or the Orleans Fair Sheriff's Office uh, Special Reserve Band, and that's led by our own reservist, Earl Smith. Uh, and so we're going to have uh, those big names, those big uh, bands right there. And we'll have others as well. But so the, the entertainment is top notch. Oh, my God, that sounds amazing. Well, I know that this event would not be possible without the help of volunteers. So for anyone interested, how can they volunteer and what do you need the volunteers to do? So we usually have between 75 and 100 volunteers from our community uh, and local organizations who help us distribute these meals and literally help us serve our community. I'm going to be serving as well, taking plates to tables, making sure people get stuffed. Uh, We got a lot of food. We have enough food to feed 2,000 people, and we want to make sure we get all those meals distributed. Um, But like you said, we'll need volunteers, and volunteers can come get four hours of community service if they need that. Um, Or if you just want to come help, uh, you can show up. Uh, The shifts usually start between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the convention center. So just come on down. You can also email us at sheriff at opso.us if you need more instructions. But, um, yeah, just show on on up. One last thing, we have an app, uh, the sheriff's app. If you download that, you can also contact us through that app. So a number of different ways you can get a hold of us if you want to come help out your community. Well, this event has been going on for a while now, and this will be your second time in attendance. So tell us about some of your favorite memories from last year. Anything that really sticks out to you? Well, last year was my first as I took office in May of 2022, but this has been going on 49 years. So the people who are on our committee that puts this on have been doing this for a while. Um, But people just enjoy, especially seniors. We pick up seniors from senior centers and bring them over. Uh, last year was my first year. I got so many hugs. I just went table to table just saying thank you for supporting us. Uh, thank you for allowing us to serve you and to be a part of this community. Last year, my first year was really, really special. It was kind of a blur, you know, because I get to meet Irma Thomas. I had never met her before. Leo Nocitelli, I'd never met him before. So, you know, it was, uh, that's my favorite, but I only got one <laughs> so far. Orleans Parish Sheriff Susan Hudson, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Alana, for having me. Have a great Thanksgiving. Of course, the 49th annual Sheriff's Thanksgiving dinner is just one way to celebrate the holiday. Inspire NOLA Charter Schools is hosting its annual drive through Thanksgiving food giveaway tomorrow at Alice M. Hart Charter School in Algiers at 9.30 a.m. and at the Mahalia Jackson Theater on Basin Street at 3 p.m. And Baton Rouge has plenty of similar events as well. Tomorrow, the MLK Community Center will host an annual turkey giveaway from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at 4000 Gus Young Ave. And the Greater Baton Rouge Food Bank will also host holiday distributions tomorrow. One at Lowry Middle School in Donaldsonville from 8 to 9.30 a.m. And another at the Assumption Parish Community Center in Napoleonville from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. On Wednesday, the Queen Baton Rouge will hand out apple, pecan, and sweet potato pies from 3 to 8 p.m. And on Thanksgiving Day, St. Vincent de Paul will host their annual Thanksgiving Day event and food delivery from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. All of these events are free and open to the public. From WRKF in Baton Rouge and WWNO in New Orleans, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Karen Henderson. 
Thanks to our guests, politics reporter Molly Ryan, WYES-TV host and producer of Literary New Orleans, Peggy Scott Laborde, outgoing Louisiana Poet Laureate, Dr. Mona Lisa Saloy, and Orleans Parish Sheriff Susan Hudson. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our assistant producer is Aubrey Purcell. Our engineer is Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Historic New Orleans Collection.